The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Oh, good evening, my friends. Jack is off on Family Matters, putting his grandfather to rest. Uh, Rest in peace, Mr. Jack Hartle. You're such a great person. You raised a great family, and uh, you will be missed. Uh, so I'm flying solo, but I did bring in a uh, pretty powerful uh, wingman for uh, much of the show, Mr. Michael Hainsworth, ladies and gentlemen, formerly of BNN, uh, now uh, self-employed, uh, doing his own thing. Uh, part of his uh, uh, quest and journey is with a company called Where's My Jetpack? .ca. Tech promised to us as kids what we got, what's next. Great uh, great intro there, Mike. Uh, how are you, my friend? Delight to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I think Wingman is particularly appropriate considering the nature of the conversation we're about to have today. Well, indeed. Um, you know, it's funny, Michael, uh, you, you interviewed me on BNN probably 50, 75 times. Uh, and you're, and you were... Sometimes you brought in your skateboard. I was so blown away <laughs> that you would skateboard down Adelaide to get to the studio. It was awesome. It worked. Uh, but then someone got hit by a cab. One or two skateboarders got hit by a cab, and I sort of hung it up and with all the condo development and uh, just too many pebbles on the road that uh, could oh. cause a potential uh, upset. But uh, certainly it's, it's, it's a good mode of transportation, and it's incredible. Uh, and we can speak about this as well. Uh, and I was at the Canaccord Boston conference, unfortunately, two years ago. Last year's was canceled due to COVID. But uh, at that conference, there were uh, many new types, new modes of transportation, uh, small individual vehicles, three-wheelers, little, little club carts, uh, really accessible, uh, condo-friendly, urban-friendly uh, electric stuff. Uh, which ties, I think, quite well into what you're talking about here. But uh, look, our conversation, Mike, let's, let's begin with um, a stock I've been paying attention to, and you jumped all over it, and that is Bumble. Um, uh -huh. uh, Bumble is an online dating platform, for those who don't know. Uh, and again, a media friend of mine pointed it to me in my direction. It's, it's newly listed on the exchanges. It's only been trading for uh, a short while. Not very much research on it, but it's, it's a trading app, and the unique... Uh, selling proposition of Bumble is it's controlled by the women. Uh, so, Michael, you're, you're you're newly single and being a techie, I guess you couldn't keep your hands away from the apps available to the the new world of dating. Uh, please, let's speak to it. Well, you remember back in the olden days when the internet seemed brand new that if you had told someone you had met your partner on the internet oh my god well, what a nerd you must be you know how 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 ridiculous is that you know uh, the last time i was dating lava life was something that you had with a phone number and you physically had to dial it we didn't have these kinds of dating apps so um you know covid killed my marriage and you know it was one of those things where even obamacare 
You know, it, it had pre-existing conditions that Obamacare wouldn't have been able to cover. So I thought, you know what, it's, it's time to get back out into the game and see what I've been missing over the last 20 years with the evolution of all of this technology. So I got the four primary apps. I got the Plenty of Fish. I got the Tinder. I got the Bumble. I got the Grinder. I checked it all out just to see what it was all about. And oh, my God, the world has changed dramatically, my friend. Um, so are all apps created equally? Absolutely not. And you bring up an interesting point about Bumble. I, I found that of all my experiences with all these apps, there were a few interesting sort of gems that I learned. One is that each of these apps has its own sort of socioeconomic world associated with it. People within a certain demographic gravitate towards a specific app. The Bumble one you point out is very interesting specifically because it forces um, the, the, the dynamic to change dramatically. Uh, for example, on Tinder, if you are a young person on Tinder, that opening line that you give to that woman, that is considered <laughs> to be sort of the, the indicator of the future success of, of that conversation. You've got to have a good opening line if you're a young person. If you're an older person, if you're like me and you're pushing 50 and you're back in the dating game for the first time in two decades, women don't fall for silly little lines like that. They want a genuine conversation. So that's what I learned about that kind of, of, of environment. But with Bumble, it takes it to a whole new level because um, if you swipe right, which means I like this person versus swiping left, which means you don't, and they also have already swiped right on you, it will pop up saying it's a match. And then <laughs> you have to wait for that woman to initiate the conversation. So what happens there is it creates an interesting dynamic that means that anytime I'm talking to a woman on Bumble, I know she has a genuine interest in talking to me. It's not a function like Tinder of, okay, pal, show me what you're made of. Let's see what line you've got to impress me with this time. Um, so it creates a, a whole different dynamic that is that much more amenable to actually meeting someone you really want to actually get together with and have a coffee, and in this case, a, a COVID-distanced coffee. Well, I, I've, I've heard of individuals having success with Tinder, and uh, that, I think, is the, is the brand with, uh, I think, the strongest brand presence, uh, certainly in my mind, although Match is the dominant company. I think Match, in fact, owns Tinder. In fact, I think Match owns every other app on the board with the exception of um, Bumble. But uh, let's go into some of the differences. Um, you mentioned also, what is it, plenty of fish? Uh, so you, you have a bit of a hierarchy for, for quality and, 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 and socioeconomic um, demographic that, that each app offers. So let's go through those, Michael. Let's, let's start bottom up. Well, it was, it was fascinating. So there, there are two aspects whenever you think about anything that is of a socioeconomic nature. Let's talk about the economic component. There's the money side of the equation. Some people have more disposable income than others. There is the socio side of things, the, the tribe in which you circulate. And um, when we look at these apps from a money perspective, the cost to participate in these apps is not insubstantial. For both Bumble and Tinder, it is a minimum of $40 a month just to be involved. And what, what that $40 gets you is um, the knowledge of who already likes you. So when I swipe right on someone, they don't know that I've swiped right on them unless they've also swiped right on me or, or, or 
they've paid the $40, and there's a whole separate section in these apps, on Bumble and Tinder and, and the others, that say these are the people who have already swiped right on you. If you'd like to see them, it'll only cost you $40. So instead of randomly going through individuals and going, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, you would just get a list of everyone who you already know has an interest in you. But again, that costs. On Plenty of Fish, it costs as well, but it is a quarter of the cost. It's $20, it's $40 for, uh, $20 for two months, uh, as opposed to $40 for one month. Um, and the demographic from a socio side of things, um, they tend to be more suburban oriented individuals, um, whereas uh, Tinder tends to be more urban and Bumble tends to be more upscale urban. Because anytime you want to do anything of any significance on Bumble, they're going to ding you for it. And if you can afford to do that, chances are you're in a whole different world. You know, I, I've been doing a fair bit of research on the industry as a collective, and mm -hmm. the total addressable market is global, and it is significant. There's real money at stake here, and the growth of the uh, uh, revenue stream being shown is, again, very, very significant. In other words, lots of runway a multi-trillion dollar industry and one that is global. But with global comes, again, additional um, challenges uh, from, from language to um, uh, different needs. So tell me, from an international perspective, um, Michael, uh, if you're a worldly individual, which app would you lean towards using? Uh, I've got to say, it, it comes back to one's tribe and what um, you feel most comfortable with. As a man in his 50s who has reached a certain level of financial uh, independence, um, I'm still inclined to lean towards a Bumble over a Tinder, mostly because, as I say, um, when, because the women are in the driver's seat on this, you have a higher quality potential for a conversation or a connection with that individual. Globally speaking, you bring up a, a very interesting point. There are lots of different social um, graces that are different depending on where you are in the world. It is going to be inconsequential to these multi-billion dollar companies to be able to make those adaptations necessary, just like you would have to do for Adobe Photoshop in different parts of the world. So it's not going to be that big of an issue. What's fascinating to me is that um, the, 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 the pent-up demand for these applications that exists during COVID and coronapocalypse uh, is really <laughs> remarkable. What I find happening is, you know, you, you go for that coffee date. You know, it, it's okay. Um, but we're both wearing masks. We're walking side by side. We're not really staring longingly into each other's eyes. We're not reaching out for that tentative first touch of the hand. All of that kind of stuff that you would get in a restaurant or a bar or a traditional dating environment. So what I'm finding is a lot of people are saying, you know what? I, I'm just going to put this on pause for now. And I'm going to wait until it's possible to have a real date with someone. And I'm finding that that has been a, a recurring theme. So I'm anticipating that as more and more of us become vaccinated and more and more of us become comfortable with getting back out into that dating world full force, that these apps are only going to explode from here. We speak with Michael Hainsworth, uh, a, a legendary broadcaster, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, and a real big nerd. Um, his company is wheresmyjetpack.ca, uh, worth a visit to the website. Trust me, it's all about technology. Uh, I love tech. If you're looking for growth in uh, businesses you invest in, you start with tech.
The show's Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein. Please, any questions, wolfgangkline.com. Jack's off for the day, flying solo, but Michael Hainsworth is an amazing wingman. I'm delighted to have him with me. Stay tuned. We're going to go to a quick break and get right back to the show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, it is Saturday night, my friends. A little electronica, craft work, uh, queued up by my good friend, Mr. Michael Hainsworth, a little alternative side to the uh, young man. Um, interesting conversation. <laughs> We're talking about the dating scene. Michael, uh, well, uh, I guess there's a statistic, one of the 50% who uh, gets divorced, who's going through a divorce. Tough times, uh, indeed, uh, especially with COVID, uh, having to renovate a home. I'm, watching, I'm following Michael on uh, social with this home renovation. Uh, what a handy man. This techie is, uh, but to, let's go to your company, uh, your project. Where's my jetpack.ca? Uh, talk about it. What what is this uh, thing you're working on? And uh, again, your slogan is "Tech promised to us as kids what we got. What's next?" Right. So you remember when we were kids, we were promised um, robot butlers, flying cars. And food in pill form. And quite frankly, and I know this is abhorrent to someone huh. who's such a foodie like you, but the only one I'm disappointed we never got was food in pill form. I, all the time we spend making, consuming, and then cleaning up our food, I, I think I'd rather spend that doing other things. But l- l- that was just a little dig at, at your uh, epicuriosity. So, uh, you're, you're hurting me. You're killing me with that. You're killing I me. It's a pleasure of life, my good friend. Dude, one day you may not be able to eat that delicious food that you can eat today. Ah. I, I, my friend, have you been to have you been to a retirement home lady? There is no salt, there is no pepper. Uh, it is white on white, my good friend. So enjoy your food. Ah, oh, it's one if, of the loves. Of, if, it's, a, it's a love of life. When when they pull Neo out of the Matrix and he's eating the gooey <laughs> sloth, you know that's fine by me. Just I just want to get back to my day. And where's my jetpack is all about those types of things that we were promised. Uh, and the thing is, is that while we were promised a lot of different technologies, we didn't necessarily get them in the way we expected. For example, the robot butler that was supposed to answer the door, vacuum the floor, do the dishes, all of these types of things. We kind of expected we'd have one you know, Android-like machine walking around our house. Instead, what we got was a bunch of smaller, individual, single-purpose machines little robots that will vacuum your floor, mop and do that sort of stuff. The doorbell that notifies you has the facial recognition, tells you who's there. All of these things are are ways in which technology evolved. And so part of the series that we're launching this spring is about what we were supposed to get and what we actually got, but also what is next. And a lot of that has to do with artificial intelligence, augmented reality, VR, 5G wireless, all of these foundational technologies for Industry 4.0. This is literally, we are, we are living in the fourth industrial revolution. 
and most of us don't even know it yet. We are living in fascinating times. Coin was launched yesterday uh, on the New York Stock Exchange. I believe it was New York Stock Exchange, maybe the NASDAQ. Trades in New York. Uh, stock was up uh, some 50% from IPO price. Uh, crypto continues to explode higher. Blockchain, the ledger. Um, the, I read a great article, I'll send it to you after, Michael, it's in Forbes magazine. Uh, it's about the potential disruptiveness of the blockchain and the ledger that we're referring to with that runs cryptocurrencies. Uh, but it, it apparently stands to threaten um, the centralized network of social media. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure how they're connecting those dots, but I do know, my good friends, we have to pay attention to this stuff here. Uh, share with us, Michael, your views and, and, and what you have learned about crypto, the ledger, uh, and the likes. Blockchain is one of those foundational technologies that in 50 years, it'll be like, we look back and, and go, I can't believe that never existed before. It'll feel like electricity. It'll feel like Wi-Fi. Um, and for those not familiar with blockchain, it is, it is what they call a distributed ledger, a ledger, of course, being an accounting related term. And the upshot is that um, one of the big problems we have in this world is making sure that we don't counterfeit things, that things are, are what they are and where they are and, and, and who owns them. And that's what blockchain is all about. Blockchain ensures that when one person owns an asset, whatever that be, whether it be a coin, whether that be one of those non-fungible tokens we've been talking about a yes. lot lately. Um, when, when we own something like that, the blockchain ensures that that's recorded and then it's distributed to all these other copies of the exact same thing. And then when there's one change, it compares against all the other ledgers to make sure that this isn't counterfeit and that this is, in fact, legitimate. And that seems like a, a, an odd and weird, nerdy kind of thing to focus on. But our entire world revolves around reliably trusting any given system. When you do an interact e-transfer from your bank to a friend because they helped you move, you know, something like that, you, want, you trust that the money that leaves your account enters that other person's account. That is because we've got a centralized banking system where some organization is responsible for that explicitly. Blockchain sort of disintermediates dis that. It takes the middleman out and ensures that these sorts of things can exist even if the underlying organization doesn't. Um, Non-fungible tokens, uh, NFTs, yes, all the rage recently. Uh, again, Michael, do your best. Can you help dumb it down? What are what is uh, non-fungible tokens? Uh, well, the, the, the origin, uh, uh, the, the base, the root of the phrase is fungible. And of course, we know from- Fungible, our, thank you. Is something fungible or not? Can it be sold? Can it not? It, does it have value? Um, and so a non-fungible token is something that kind of only has value to one person. So the perfect example of this was um, the man who invented Twitter, Jack Dorsey, sold his very first tweet as a non-fungible token. And it sold for an outrageous amount of money. I think it was north of 50 grand. But the upshot is, is that somebody else now technically owns what is essentially a copy of it. It, 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 would, it would be like an artist doing a painting, keeping the original, but then you get one copy of that. And they won't make any more copies. They get to keep the original but you get the copy. That's a non-fungible token. You can apply that to a whole bunch of different Yeah, so, so, so Michael, again, I've been talking about, sorry to interrupt, and again, it's, it's, it's difficult when we're not in the studio that we can't look at each other and cue each other a bit, but 
Use the Mona Lisa as an example. Could, could that become a non-fungible? That's the word fungible, right? Token? What it would mean is someone would have to own it. Now, we know, we know that someone does own the Mona Lisa, but if someone wanted to give that ownership to someone else and have a digital version of that little certificate that you get whenever you get something that's of any value, really, um, in, a, in that sort of environment, that would give you the ability to say, this is mine. Nobody else can have this. And so, yes, you could sell the Mona Lisa via a non-fungible token. Now, whether or not you want to remains to be seen. This is a very early stage technology where it's one of these things that it's not a technology in and to itself. It's not like it's a Roomba that's specifically designed to vacuum your floor. It is a technology that's meant to be built upon. Just like the building blocks of the Internet, we never knew we'd get to Netflix when we first started building TCPIP as the means of sending ones and zeros back and forth effectively. But that's what we got. And non-fungible tokens are very similar to that. The blockchain is very similar to that. It's the kind of thing where we're going to give a lot of nerds a bunch of interesting tools called non-fungible tokens, called blockchain, called these distributed ledgers, and say, figure some interesting things out with it. And in 10, 15, 30 years, we're going to look back and go, wow, it's amazing what we've accomplished. Well, so that that is the point raised recently in, in my offices. Um, do we have a solution for a problem that uh, does not exist yet? Well, no, of course, it's it's you know, you know mother of invention type of thing. You need that necessity. Once we figure that out, that there is a necessity to something, we can then from there build whatever technologies we need. But usually, you don't build those technologies from scratch. You look around at what's already available. And you build upon them using those. And that's the kind of things that we're starting to do right now with blockchain and others. We're speaking with Michael Haynes, with a um, good friend of mine, formerly of BNN. Uh, he's on a new project, Where's My Jetpack.ca. Uh, I always think to Hollywood, I always think to Star Trek or Get Smart. Um, they, I believe, those writers wrote our future for us, and then the scientists and the geeks built it. Uh, I don't know if, if you envisioned your iPhone becoming as powerful as it has become. Yes, I can't transport myself up to my cottage, um, but boy, oh boy, what a powerful tool. And with this tool, I think they over-delivered. What's your comment on that, Michael? And tell, give me some other Hollywood um, uh, uh, ideas that came to fruition. The people behind the Motorola flip phone openly admit that the inspiration for the Motorola flip phone was the original Star Trek communicator. Bingo. So that's the, that's the perfect example of that. Um, the iPad, as you know it today, started off on Star Trek The Next Generation in the 1990s, long before we actually had the iPad. And you bring up the iPhone. What's interesting about the iPhone is that the iPhone actually was secondary. When Apple engineers looked at this Star Trek tablet device that Captain Picard was walking around with, they went, I wonder huh. if we can do that. And so the original operating system wow. for the iPhone wasn't built for a 4.5-inch screen. It was built for an 11-inch screen. It was meant for a tablet. And then they realized, you know what? This whole cell phone thing is getting really big. Maybe we need to shrink this down into a form factor that's more appropriate for a phone. So the actual origins of the iPhone started out in the 1990s Star Trek Next Generation tablet. Brilliant, Michael. I, you know, I, I didn't realize there was as much to it as you just uh, shared um, with us. Uh, 
the network effect. Um, technology today uh, relies for its success on something called the network effect. Uh, you're obviously familiar with the phrase, Michael. Tell me more. What, what would you well, want to talk the, about, about the network effect? I want to go back to the dating apps. Um, do they actually um, have a network effect quotient to them? Uh, Airbnb, it's all about the network effect. How does it work with Airbnb? I rent a place. I have a good experience. I put up a good review. Um, I, I rent out a place. The people are happy with it. I get a good review. That builds on my own little success. And the more frequency of use, the more data, and that way we can weed out the bad and keep the good. It's called the network effect. Does that exist in the online dating world? It absolutely does. I didn't know about Bumble until I was already on Tinder and I was talking to some of these women uh, about the ridiculous nonsense that is in the, the online dating world. Oh my God, the, we, we could do an entire episode on just how to fill out a proper online profile. Um, and there's the, a strategy well, to that. You see, sorry, Mike, are you telling me there's a strategy? Makes sense. There's a strategy. You have to have your moves, right? But those are your new moves, aren't they? They really are. You, you have to present <laughs> yourself in a light that's not only flattering, but also accurate. Um, and you have to present it in a manner that doesn't come across as cranky. Like the number of women whose profile is all the things they will not accept in a man. Those are women who have been on these dating sites way too long and have come across some really bad guys uh, to say, all right, here's what I'm going to list that I don't want as opposed oh, to what I do. Oh, yeah. oh isn't it? That's a powerful tip. Beware gets, of the person who tells you what they don't want. That, that's an huh. angry individual. That, that's someone who's who's been burned. Um, so the network effect is very real. I learned about uh, Bumble through people I talked to on other sites like Tinder. Um, I learned about Tinder, uh, of course, just by the, the buzz, the word of mouth um, that ultimately led to the, the, the news media coverage that we saw over the course of the last 10 years or so. So the network effect is very real. And uh, coming back to something I said earlier about post-pandemic, there is a pent-up demand for dating, for human touch, for crying out loud. And we are going to see, I believe, a huge explosion in these online dating apps, specifically Bumble, specifically Tinder. There's another one called Hinge. I haven't really looked into that, but I hear that one's pretty good too. But Bumble seems to be the one that's got it figured out for me. Michael Hainsworth, a real a real delight. I can't thank you enough. Uh, great brain on you. Uh, stay with the reno. Uh, you're noticing uh, inflation in all those materials you are using. Oh, yeah. We're having our own little complaints about that, but that that is the economy. That is supply. That is demand. Um, take a look at uh, Michael Hainsworth's website, Where's My Jetpack? .ca. Lots of great content there. Michael is a uh, content creator. Uh, my friend, uh, you be safe and uh, good travels to you, Michael Hainsworth. Thank you. Uh, more show, uh, Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 in Toronto, right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Love it. It is Saturday night, my good friends. 
a little spring in your stride. I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. Show about money, uh, but we call it Hi-Fi Radio. I like fidelity. I like it a lot. It makes me feel good, and I hope it makes you feel good, too. Um, Orrin Weinberg, a Toronto family lawyer, mediator, and arbitrator, uh, kind enough to spend some time with us this evening. Uh, Orrin, by the way, is recognized by Best Lawyers uh, in 2021. He's also a Lexpert-ranked lawyer. Is that correct, a Lexpert-ranked lawyer, or is it an expert-ranked lawyer? Lexpert. That's correct. Lexpert. Uh, well, Warren, uh, thank you for spending some time with us. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. Um, reason we want to get you on the show is I want to speak about uh, uh, maritable breakdowns. Um, you know, COVID certainly has uh, brought on uh, a lot more uh, family uh, challenges. Uh, and you know, our last guest, in fact, is just, was just going through a divorce as we speak. Um, it's difficult. Uh, it's expensive. Um, it, it can ruin financial plans. Um, and the, the, the one asset I want to talk about is, is, is the home. Um, homes are our biggest asset. I love homes, but I've, I've, I've come across too many horror stories about individuals um, funding a home and then losing uh, half of it or more uh, through a marital breakdown. Um, so, uh, Orrin, help us out here. Family home. Um, sure, if, if, if it's a textbook marriage, uh, young couple out of college, university, mid-20s, whatever, they get married for the first time, they start with nothing, they build together, pretty clean, pretty simple, the way it should be, the way our parents did it. That's not really the way it tends to happen all the time. It tends to be now, I have a home, why don't you move in with me? At that point, risk has wide has opened up. So, uh, Orrin, I want to bring you on talk to us about that. We'll start with common law. Um, if, if I invite someone into my home under common law circumstances, you know, it starts off friendly and fine and well for the first few nights, but all of a sudden they don't leave. Um, do we need to concern ourselves with that from a, from a title point of view and from a separation point of view down the road? Um, so the answer is yes. Um, for Parties who are not married, um, essentially title governs. So it's, if it's my asset, it's my asset, uh, subject to the non-titled spouse um, being able to make claims uh, uh, against you, against the titled spouse, in the future for contributions they have made to the property. So while it still might be my house, if my spouse moves in and helps me renovate or makes financial contributions or, you know, that's substantial renovations, uh, they have a claim against me for uh, recovery for the contribution. Um, Orrin, uh, again, let's not use the word spouse, let's use the word common law or boyfriend, girlfriend, just so we don't confuse matters here. We're not married. Uh, so I, I, I own a condo, I own it, or a house, I own it, let's say outright, fully paid for. Uh, you know, I'm in my 50s and uh, my uh, new partner, my new friend moves in. Um, do they have a claim on it? If they, if there's no additional renovations or additions to the property, they split the utility bills with me. Not, uh, at, not, at, not at, sorry, not at that time. Well, oh, they don't. They the, okay. So therefore, you don't necessarily need uh, a cohab agreement to worry about the uh, uh, house asset if it's fully paid for, as long as they didn't contribute. So you're saying the issue comes on is when your partner begin your new partner begins to contribute in the economic interest of the piece of real estate. 
Exactly. And not to the utility bills or the, the cable bills, but substantial contributions to the, to the property that might improve the property. Like, for example, contributing to a renovation or doing sweat equity kind of hmm. uh, efforts. Very well. That's very helpful. Thank you for, for sharing that with me. Uh, but uh, as soon as, as, so the next question, I'm now single. I own a house. It's paid for. Uh, and I decide to get married for the first time. Uh, as, as, do I understand this correctly? As soon as my new spouse, my spouse, my legitimate spouse moves into my home or we're married, the house is now half hers. So you have to share the value of the house. You have to equalize the value of the house if you separate. Uh, Ontario creates a uh, matrimonial property regime which requires um, you to share the growth and value of your assets and the house uh, is one of those assets that would be shared on a separation. Um, again, let me be a skeptic. Um, again, there's, there's been a lot of COVID fraud, lonely people, etc. Um, could someone quite easily bamboozle uh, a individual with a house, for example. Um, uh, there's an individual, they, they own a house, they live in it, it's paid for. I come along and woo them. I convince them to get married. We get married. Three days later, it's over. Th with a, three days, would that be enough? To, would 24 hours be enough to be married to be able to then claim uh, half the asset value? No, there's a mechanism under the leg legislation to uh, argue that you shouldn't have to uh, do that. Uh, for for short-term marriages. Uh, so what is that period of time, Warren? It's, uh, there's a mechanism under the legislation, f five years or less, you could say, I shouldn't have to equalize the, I, I shouldn't have to make the full equalization, excuse me, the full Orin, equalization you're, payment. You're teaching me a lot here, Orrin. Thank you. This is a little great Q&A. Look, let's go to a quick uh, commercial break. Um, I want to speak about uh, helping your kids out with their first home. Again, it's a big topic. Uh, the price of real estate is through the roof. We all know that. Uh, I think I, I just see more and more people trying to help their kids out. But again, how do we protect your money if you give it to your child to buy a piece of property? Orrin Weinberg, Toronto family lawyer, mediator, and arbitrator, spending some time with us this Saturday night. Uh, recognized as best lawyers. I only bring you the best. It's Hi-Fi Radio. Stay tuned, my good friends. Global News, 640 Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein. It's a show about money. And of course, I like to weave in some fidelity. Uh, it's a pleasure to have Oren Weinberg on the line with us. He's a lawyer, family lawyer, mediator, arbitrator, uh, recognized as best lawyers uh, in 2021. Uh, a member of the Toronto Lawyers Association, uh, Advocate Society. Uh, Oren knows his stuff. Uh, it's all about protecting yourself. Um, and you must protect yourself, my friends, in advance, not after. It doesn't work after the fact. Uh, you need to know this stuff. And that's what you know. we're here for. We're here to help you uh, with you know all 
things money. Uh, and that includes your house. Uh, yeah, we're not real estate brokers, uh, but we're asset managers and, and a home is a key asset. It's a cornerstone asset, especially if you have a family. Uh, I'm just noticing a trend uh, that, that's been going on for, I'd say 15, 20 years, baby boomers wanting to help their children. Um, certainly with respect to buying their first home, uh, as we all know, um, undesirable homes in Toronto now sell for a million dollars. Uh, you want to buy something nice, it's going to cost you more. Uh, you want a condo, 800 feet will cost you a million. It, it is an expensive place to live. And, you know, our, we want our kids out, but we don't, want, we don't want them on the street and we don't want them to living in a, in a, a sketch neighborhood. Uh, so if we're privileged enough that we can help our children, I think I'm just seeing more and more of us do so. But the question I have for Oren is how do we protect ourselves? Again, that home is, it's a funny asset class, um, whereby, uh, if you share with someone else, you're opening yourself up to risk. Uh, you know, if we have a 27 or 28 year old, uh, child or whatever the age may be, they're still young. They still have a lot to learn and well, uh, emotions and, uh, uh, physical urges, shall I say, often overrides um, logic uh, and law. Uh, so let's, let's talk about giving money to our children for their first home. Uh, Oren, how can we protect that money in the event that the relationship breaks down or in the event that they end up in a relationship at a later date and it breaks down? I have a couple of ideas. I'm curious what your best uh, methods are for protecting your money. You want to give your kid 100000 bucks for a down payment on a home. Can you protect yourself? Um, yes. Uh, just before I answer that, I just want to clarify something we said earlier, that um, people who are common law are still recognized as spouses. They just have different rights when it comes to property. So to, in answer to your question, yes, it is a, a very common thing for parents to want to help their uh, children uh, get into the real estate market, and they do that by uh, giving them money. And um, in order to protect that money, um, really the married couple or the couple should have a cohab agreement or a marriage contract identifies the the gift and 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 secures it for the parents. Let's go back to law. Provincial law governs family law, which governs marital law. Correct. Correct. Um, provincial law supersedes whatever you put on paper. In other words, you could put stuff on paper that's not legally binding. And this goes back now to the matrimonial home. That just seems to be such a sticky asset. It's difficult to maneuver with that asset, uh, even in a, um, a cohab agreement slash marital contract. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so correct. So the the equalization uh, process that I mentioned earlier um, precludes things like uh, gifts uh, being uh, tr traceable to the matrimonial home from being excluded from the equalization calculation. So if you're a parent who provides your child with a gift of money and that money is um, traceable to the matrimonial home, that gift is going to be shared if your son or daughter is the titled spouse and is equalizing the value of that asset Correct. separation. And Which the way to get around want. that, that's right. So the way to get around that is to have a contract between these spouses, um, which identifies the gift and um, makes provisions for how that will be treated if they separate. And that will stick then in court. That you can do. 
that you can do. And but 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 I, I could not, for example, Orn. And but if you're just joining us, it is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money, and it's a delight to have uh, Orn Weinberg on. He's a lawyer. He's an excellent lawyer. We've had him on the show many times. Mediator, arbitrator, anything family law related. Uh, contact Orrin. He's a very, very reasonable man. He, he doesn't really want your business. He wants you to settle things uh, quickly, easily, uh, and, and just keep it simple. Stay out of court. But if court is the case, uh, I think he's uh, up for that challenge as well. Um, uh, so I got off track here as I was doing a little promo there, Orrin. Um, uh, the matrimonial home being such a sticky asset. Oh, so you, you can, uh, through contract, uh, certainly deal with a gift, but I could not, for example, write a, have a marital contract written and saying, I enter this marriage with you, uh, my love, but the matrimonial home is in fact all mine and shall always be all mine. Yes, you could do that. And it, that, will, that, that, do that will stick in court? There's no equalization on that 15, 20 years down the road? So, uh, while the law has its own uh, uh, regime if i can call it that it still treats grown-ups as grown-ups and if people want to make a deal on how to divide their assets if they separate uh those deals will be respected as long as certain things happen um there has to be um full financial disclosure at the outset and people generally speaking need to understand the deal that they were making and need to know what they were giving up very very interesting uh, huh. I always thought it was a little uh, more difficult than that. And I, I always thought marital contracts weren't as um, sound as, as, as many, shall say, uh, purchasers uh, thought they weren't, especially as time uh, goes on. It tends to erode the value of that marital contract. A am I incorrect in that assumption? So I, I'm just going to say, generally speaking, that if you make a, a, a deal on how your assets are supposed to be treated, and everyone understands the deal that they were making, those more often than not are uh, upheld by the courts. Hmm. That doesn't mean that people don't try to take a run at the contract. It just means that they're more often than not upheld if everyone knew the deal they were making. I'm going to ask you another question. We're running out of time here, Orrin, but a quick one. Could I, in that contract, marital contract, exonerate myself from my duties to my children? Saying, if we get divorced, I want nothing to do with my children. I will not pay any money to support my children, and I will not give you support either. Would that stick in a marital contract if the partner agreed with it at the time? Uh, so that was my next point. Uh, no, um, you can't contract out of your obligation to support your child or children. Uh, you can try to make contracts uh, about what spousal support might look like, but invariably those contracts are. Um, subject to being challenged and uh, set aside if the circumstances warrant it. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating stuff, my friends. You need to work with experts. Um, we have to always stay abreast of changes in law and learn more about law. It matters a whole lot, and that's why uh, I, I'm constantly bringing on for fresh uh, legal minds onto the show and, uh, well, seasoned minds as well, which is what uh, Orrin Weinberg is. Um, great. Uh, great time uh, spending with you this evening. Uh, Toronto family lawyer, mediator, arbitrator, Mr. Orrin Weinberg. Uh, Orrin, uh, if any of our listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, they can uh, go through my uh, firm website, bowlbyweinberg.com, or contact me by phone, 647-494-0113, extension 100. Wish you a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. And if you have trouble finding him, you can always reach out to myself or Jack, uh, wolfgangkline.com. My good friends, Please stay safe. We're getting through the pandemic. We're not there yet. And the numbers are going up. 
do your part. We all want to get back to hugging people, loving people, and enjoying ourselves. But uh, in due course. Orrin, terrific job. I want to wish you as well and your family a very safe weekend, my friend. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us this evening. Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday. It's a privilege and delight to spend an hour with you. May you have more money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Global News 640 Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.